So welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. Hi guys, I'm John Hare and on the phone today with me is Alyssa Severide and she had to deal with a very special horse that came down with colic and we're talking about medical decisions and what how you make those decisions and the philosophy that you use and so I asked Alyssa to come on the show today and talk about that. Good morning Alyssa, how are you? I'm great, John. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. It's a beautiful day here in California. I'm looking to ride a little bit later. Oh, awesome. It's actually starting to warm up a little bit in Montana this week, although it's a little cloudy today, but I'm just happy that it's getting above the 60 degree mark and we don't have any snow. Oh, yeah. I I don't (laughs) think I would do very well with that at all. It's been a long winter, John, so I'm excited. (laughs) Well, I've been talking in the last couple of weeks about how you make decisions with your horse. And uh, it's particularly in uh, making medical decisions. You've been around horses your entire life. And uh, you might have a little bit different philosophy than the average recreational rider or horse owner. When you had to make a decision about Uh, a horse that was colicking. Can you kind of walk us through that process? Uh, I can try. I I really had a strong emotional attachment to this horse, which was my first, uh, probably my first mistake. But (laughs) Can you (laughs) you give us a little background on on the guy? Yes. Yes. Well, like you said, I've been around horses my whole life. My dad's a horse trainer and my favorite, favorite, this was, this was a horse that we had that was out of my favorite mare ever in the whole wide world. So he was really special to me and he was her last baby. This happened when he was a three-year-old, I believe. And I hadn't had him very long, but I was, I had big plans for him, you know, as far as like showing him and stuff. And so when he colicked, it was pretty awful, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I'd never had a such a severe colic. I've n- I'd never dealt with such a severe colic situation before. Like he was at the vets for several days on fluids. And at that point we had to make a decision whether, whether we were going to put him down or actually have colic surgery. So those were kind of the two options that were presented. And and, and how long ago was this? Was colic surgery fairly new or? No, no, it was it was really um, advanced. This was only five, six years ago now. Okay. And we have a very advanced equine surgical center here in Montana, and that's where he was. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to cost a lot of money to do the surgery. I talked to my dad about it. My dad gave me the horse and, you know, he was not he really didn't want to do the surgery because he knew it was going to be expensive and he didn't feel like the horse was like worth enough money to warrant it. And and you have to understand my dad's horse trainer, like their horses aren't just pets to us. They have value and, you know, some are worth more than others based on what they can do. Right. Right. And he was young and we really didn't know if he, you know, if he had been like the type of horse that was going to go win the world in some event, then my dad probably wouldn't have given him to me. He probably would have just like kept him or sold him to someone. You would have never had that decision to make, right? Right, right. So he, 
when we initially talked about it, he did not think that he was a good candidate for colic surgery. And then when we went, you know, we, we were able to wait like another couple of days before we had to make the final decision because his, because he hadn't gotten worse enough that we had to do it right away. Mm -hmm. I was just like so upset and crying and talking to the vet and the vet was kind of encouraging me to do the surgery and, I was, I didn't know what to do because I was kind of a mess, you know? And so then I get my dad on the phone and he talks to the vet and ultimately my dad made the decision to go forward because I think he got wrapped up in my emotions (laughs) and he didn't want to break his little baby girl's heart. (laughs) Fathers and daughters. Yes. (laughs) So we ended up going forward with the surgery. The surgery was successful. He did not have any dead bowel or anything. They they did not have to do any resection. They Good. opened him up. They cleaned out his guts and sewed him back up and put him back together. And I watched the whole thing from the window. So that was like encouraging to see that the surgery itself went really well. Right. But what I did not anticipate was how bad the recovery was going to be for me. I mean, it was hard on him, of course, because he just had surgery, but it was awful for me. (laughs) In what way? Uh, Emotionally, just Uh. because he was, when we brought him home, I was literally watching him like a hawk and he had a couple of little episodes like you know, like where he had a bellyache. And so of course you start to panic. Oh my God, we just spent thousands and thousands of dollars on the surgery. And now he's going to colic again and die anyway. You know, that was, I was thinking that all the time, like making sure like I was feeding him little portions throughout the day. I was feeding him in the middle of the night and I didn't leave my house for like two or three months that summer because I was watching him so closely I remember laying in bed with my husband one night saying, I don't know if doing the surgery was the right decision because I am a basket case. (laughs) (laughs) There's all that aftercare. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Because he was, you know, he was in a stall and, and then I had to hand walk him and like this recovery was just like so incremental. And then, we'd have these little scares where he would just start acting like he was colicky again. So I'd throw him in the trailer and start driving and, and he would come out of it. Well, the other thing that happened was he got an infection in his incision. So he had, you know, all kinds of stuff draining out of that. And then it didn't heal properly. And he had a kind of a big bump on the, on, on his belly from that. And so finally he did, he did recover, but, what we found out, and we learned this when he was in the hospital prior to surgery, was that he had horrible ulcers, which oh. is probably what led to the colic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had like stage four ulcers, so we had to treat him for that as well. And when you have a horse like him who had never really been under any any huge amount of pressure from showing or anything uh-huh. like that, I mean, he... He had a pretty laid back life, but he was so prone to getting stressed out and having those ulcers that you have to consider whether that horse is ever going to be able to mentally handle being a show horse at all 
or any or even like the kind of horse that you ride on a regular basis is that going to just stress him out so much that he's never going to be healthy so he was having a hard time just being a regular horse yeah he, he couldn't handle the stress from being a regular horse right and you you had some specific goals for him so. right okay i got you yeah and and he seemed to kind of grow out of that a little bit but because of just my life circumstances and, and commitments, I really never was able to take him and show him like I had planned anyway. And I and I honestly don't know if he would have held up for that or not. Right. And so we didn't really have any issues with him um, after the surgery having a major colic. But five years later, he did colic and had to be put down. Oh. So it was pretty heartbreaking um, to say the least. And looking back now, I, I'm, I'm not sure I would ever make that same decision again with another horse, unless it was like, they were just worth so much money. I couldn't, you know, I mean, I don't know, that's a pretty difficult decision to make, but I think ultimately you have to make it based on facts and, and logic and not emotion. And that's, you know, that's what we get so caught up in when we're, we love our animals so much. Um, it's very hard to, to, um, think critically in those situations sometimes. I think you're absolutely right. And that's kind of, um, when you were talking about the vet wanted to, was encouraging you to do the surgery. I worked with veterinarians for seven years when I was, when I was growing up through high school and part of college. And, and, this was the case back then from my direct observation. I don't know if it's still the case, but veterinarians, they go to school and they they learn these special procedures. And it's, it's not necessarily, I'm not saying it's the money. I'm saying they just love doing it. We had a, we had a, I worked at a small vet hospital and we had this dog come in with a very rare heart defect and the people couldn't afford to do surgery. And the vet, wanted to do the surgery so bad that he practically did it for free mm. just so that he could have the practice of doing that surgery. Right. And, you know, they want to get in there and do something, you know, magical to that horse. So right. yet, yet sometimes they're not always the best um, indicator of the direction. You kind of have to step back and say, okay, what do I want to do with this horse? And you're right. Once emotion starts to get in the way your logical thinking processes just start to shut down and and, yes. the, and the more you try to direct them to the logic the more the emotional uh, grip kind of gets you and just shakes you a little bit yeah and i think i think it's probably a good idea to have sort of a plan in place before that before you ever get to a, a, a situation where you have to make that kind of a decision to know like okay i'm willing to spend this much money to on this horse or whatever. I mean, right. if money's not an object to you and you like, by all means, that's a very personal decision. Right. But for me, it really wasn't about the money. Yeah. We spent a lot of money, but big deal. Like I could spend a lot of money on a lot of things. Right. It wasn't so much <laughs> the money for me. It was the, like, it was the um, uh, emotional expense for me because it just killed me to, to be worrying about that horse all the time. And, um, I, I would say that that was way more taxing. And the thing is with the vet, like the reason I think, 
I sort of wanted to go ahead with the surgery, you know, the, the very small part of my logical brain that was working at the time was the vet was pretty darn convinced that they could fix him, that it was going to be an easy surgery and that he would be fine afterwards. So it was like, ah, how do I not do, how do I not do that for my horse when they think he's, he's going to come through it just fine. And like, it's an easy fix. It's not something where they're going to have to resect a bunch of bowel and, and, you know, it, it just seemed like it was going to be a simple fix and then it would be over. And that was not, not really how it, how it went for me anyway. And the vet, they only have the, that responsibility to get him through the surgery and through the initial part of the recovery. And then it's on you. So you have to take that into consideration also. And certainly before the surgery, you 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 don't go forward with such a, an ordeal unless you're fairly confident that things are going to work out right. Right, right. But whenever you, you deal with animals, the, you, there's there's never that guarantee, and there's no greater likelihood of of something going wrong because, like you said, even though you kept an eye on that guy. 24/7 he still managed to get an infection in his in, in his incision. So yes. there're just all kinds of things that that work out which you never anticipate. No. Before you make that decision. <laughs> no. No, but you should. I yes. highly recommend that you think through these things before you're you're faced with the decision because it's nice to and and also when you're kind of going through that, you know, you have moments where you're super emotional and for me, you know, like bawling my eyes out, but you, but it's not like you do have moments of lucidity also yeah. <laughs> where you need to be thinking through like, you know, logically is this a rational decision that I'm making? And so, so that's why I would recommend, you know, always kind of having that in your mind prior to being faced with something like that. Well, not only the financial ramifications, but how is this going to affect me and this horse going forward, you know, emotionally? And is he going to have a good quality of life? Am I going to have a good quality of life? Like, is this going to allow me to continue doing the things that I want? And, And sometimes, unfortunately, we don't have that clarity until after the fact. But all th- all good things to think about. I, well, I really like what you said about having um, pre thought about the financial limit of what you're willing to go through. It, and I think it, it almost has to be set up as a a single episode because uh, with my mare, I had some expenses you know, three years ago, and now I'm re- recurring those expenses. But time has passed, so I can't really you know lump all that together. It's not a I don't think it should be a running total. Mm. But I do think it's important to say, well, if this horse is going to cost me $10,000 to fix and I've only got uh and I've got a $2,500 horse and I don't have $10,000, then that should, you know, that dis- that decision has already been made for me. Right. And how many years do you have left with your horse? Like how old is your horse? Well, um yeah. I mean and the, and you can also you can buy colic and um, surgery insurance. I mean, that's, that's always an option as well. But like I said, it's not just the financial part of it that you have to consider. And that's the other thing I liked what you said about it is that you might go, okay, listen, I can, I can tolerate uh, a month of really intense 
TLC for my horse. Mm -hmm. But then when it goes on for, am I willing to tolerate four months or six months or am I willing to, you know, and you live up in, you live in Montana. So, you know, you're, you're trudging through the snow to get to, you know, to, to care for your horse and, and weather becomes a factor on as far as challenging you to, to make sure your horse gets the proper care. So you've got that to to be involved with, you know, how long is it going to get to, am I going to have to treat my horse? And the, your original goal with, with that horse, it was to ride it. And right. <laughs> how long was it before you were, you got to ride it again? Uh, several months. Yeah. It was, it was a long, and then, you know, how it ended up working out on the calendar was he was laid up all summer, which in Montana, that's when you ride. (laughs) So, oh, he's better now. It's winter. Okay. Well, I guess we'll wait till next summer to try again. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, yeah. Well, that's all. Those are all very good things to consider when, when trying to make those decisions. And, you know, you when you're making those, you're you're talking it over with your dad, but it's almost like you're making those in a vacuum. Did you? Was there anybody else helping you make that those choices? No, I mean my husband, but he's he tends to get emotional in those situations too. And you know, everyone around you is an animal lover, and they you know like right. they would do the same thing. And but actually talking to someone who's been through it might have been more advantageous, you know, to really find out what am I getting myself into here? Because I had no idea. Oh, that'd have been a great idea. Yeah. To, to sit down with somebody who had been through colic surgery and, and had to, to deal with all the things that you dealt with. Right. And, and obviously every situation is going to be a little bit different. Somebody could have had like a, an amazing outcome and, and, even like vets don't even consider colic surgery to be a mark against a horse after a certain number of years. I think it's after like two years post colic surgery, they don't even consider it to be, you know, anything against them. So, oh, good. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it works out great for people and, and sometimes it doesn't. So you have to consider what your personal tolerance for that kind of thing is. <laughs> and now I know. <laughs> well, good. This has been, this is great. This is great information for you to share and I uh, appreciate you coming on and talking about it. And I, I know it can, it's, it can be kind of emotional bringing up those, those past animals that we really cared a lot about and, yes. and talking about them. So, but I appreciate you doing that. No problem, John. I just hope that, you know, maybe it can help somebody else who's faced with a tough decision with their own horse. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. That'll do it for this show. And I think that was pretty good. Alyssa Severi did a great job coming on, talking about the, the struggles that you make when, you, when you're when you faced with some very difficult decisions involving your horse. It's a very candid conversation, and I really appreciate her sharing her thoughts. And I think there was really a lot of good advice in there, too. And it's just this type of show that I was hoping for. An episode where we're sharing information with each other, and I think we can all benefit from that. So if you've got a story, whether it was challenging or positive or inspirational, I hope you'll contact me and we can get together and share it with the rest of the horse world. 
My email address is john at woepodcast.com. Or you can find us on Facebook. Just look for Woe Podcast. And remember, all the previous episodes of the Woe Podcast, everything since 2012, is on woepodcast.com. And you can find Woe Podcast everywhere. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Oh gosh, and even a couple I don't even remember off the top of my head. Anyway, anyway, you can find us everywhere. And if when you do find us, if you subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. In the coming weeks, we'll have Susan Hoskins on. And she'll talk about some of the struggles she had getting back into horses after a layoff of nearly three decades. She's got a fascinating story, too. And we hope to have Sam Finden on. We'll talk about conditioning your horse after a long winter of just standing around. Thanks for everybody who's helping to participate in the new version of the show. We really appreciate it. And thanks, as always, for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends and riding buddies. So until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody. We went a little over on time, but... I'll I'll clean it up. (laughs) That's what what you do. (laughs) That's what I do.